Primetime with Sean Mooney is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Coming up, I'll tell you how you can try ZipRecruiter absolutely free. ZipRecruiter, the only way to hire. However, standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to, to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my go to my grave, testifying or whatever, swearing that Davey was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does I mean, how great does that make Davey? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? You go ahead and chop me. Give me a big chop. I'll sell. I'll give you my whole chest and everything. And then I'll look at you like this, and then I'll punch you right in the mouth as hard as I can. <laughs> Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Prime Time with Sean Mooney. Man, have we been busy. Uh, we just added Network Classics every Monday, and I just did an episode of WWF Superstars, you may have caught it this past Wednesday, uh, from 1992, and it was a lot of fun. As I uh, mentioned, we also had a watch-along on um, on Sunday, uh, the Brett versus uh, Owen uh, match from WrestleMania 10. But I, I was telling everybody when we uh, had that that, you know, a lot of that stuff I forgot, really, like what happened. When, Like if you say, what happened at this event, what happened, you know, it's just hard to really remember the details of it. But when I watch them, it kind of comes back to me. And I really, really, really had a great time uh, doing that uh, episode of Superstars because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize exactly what that show was all about, what, they, uh, what, what was behind it. I mean, it was really just a promotional tool. But they were so much fun to watch. So uh, check out that episode. We'll be doing uh, a lot of others, including another, you know, more Saturday Night's Main Event, which I did the first time, uh, more Superstars, uh, Tuesday Night Titans, uh, probably slip in a few primetime wrestling. I mean, we're just going to go back into the classics and we're going to, uh, you know, and do them every Monday. So check it out every Monday at 6 a.m. Just another episode we've added to the PTSM lineup. And as I mentioned, we just did another watch-along uh, this past Sunday. Really, that was fun to watch because those two guys were just so great in the ring and then having the two brothers go up against each other. And, uh, you know, uh, I had recently done that show with Brett, so there was a lot of stuff that was still fresh in my mind from that conversation and then also his book. And it was really an awesome time for those two brothers because they actually got to work together and they actually got to spend time together with it. They really hadn't been able to do since they were kids. So we talk about all that. It's that uh, Brett versus Owen match from WrestleMania 10. If you're a Patreon member, of course, you can uh, check it out anytime you want. You just go back and watch it. Uh, we'd love to have you join us as a Patreon member. You can uh, come along and just uh, you know pay $4.99, and that, of course, will give you all the uh, episodes of uh, Primetime with Sean Mooney. Uh, early and uh, without any ads. You get the episodes early. But if you become a Mooney, uh, not only do you still get everything early, you get to decide on who we have on every week. We do those polls where you get to decide which guests we're going to put up. 
Uh, we ask your questions. There's a section in the podcast where uh, I ask these uh, uh, people, uh, you know, specific questions that you want to know about, and I mention your name. And then uh, you get the uh, the watch-alongs. We've got Cameo videos going now. Uh, the AMAs, Ask Money Anything, and on and on. And if you become a Legion of Who member, an LOW member, you get your own podcast with me, plus your very own watch-along after you've been with us for a while. So uh, check out uh, patreon.com slash primetimemooney. Patreon.com slash primetimemooney. We'd love to have you uh, join us. Uh, quick time out here. You know, I once had a business. It was called Moonrise Productions, and I produced... Uh, Shows for the uh, the regional network out in Arizona, Fox Sports Arizona, and uh, you know I did a bunch of other things. And you know I wish I had used ZipRecruiter back then because I probably would have been able to hire better people, and maybe Moonrise would still be around. But uh, the good news is, those if you have a business and you want to hire the right people, I can help you out because I can help you get connected with ZipRecruiter and and uh, you know just to uh, really. Uh, give you an example of, of what ZipRecruiter could do for you. Let me tell you this story uh, about a perfect example of what ZipRecruiter has done for people. Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, uh, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants, which is really tough for a lot of people who have uh, businesses, you know? So what did he do? He switched to ZipRecruiter and went to ZipRecruiter.com. Now, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Now, Dylan posted uh, his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by just how quickly he had great candidates uh, apply. And he also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter through his applicants because, you know, like initially you might get all these people want to apply to it, but this uh, candidate uh, rating feature filters down the applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones, the ones that, you know, that that really uh, be, could do the job that he wanted them to do. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. That's all it took. Now, with results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five, listen to this, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day, the very first day. So see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. And listen to this because you listen to Primetime with Sean Mooney. Uh, you get to try ZipRecruiter for free uh, at this web address, uh, ZipRecruiter.com slash Primetime. Write that down. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Primetime. That's P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash Primetime. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Alrighty. Last week, we had a great episode uh, with Sabu. Sabu was on, and what an incredible guest he was. I mean, what a story. I mean, this guy is just amazing. And you look back at the incredible hardcore matches that uh, he had over the years. And I did. I went back and watched a few of those matches. Just some of the stuff he was doing was just insane. And, uh, you know, he says he, he, that he uh, would try, you know, these moves. You know, he would said I would, you know, uh, practice them at least 20 times before I would do it, you know, in front of people, in front of an audience. And he really knew what he was doing. But, boy, you look at them, it just looks like absolute uh, chaos. 
And uh, you see today, like how many of the current hardcore wrestlers are emulating him. And it's incredible that uh, you know, he doesn't get more credit. But, you know, as we talked about in our conversation, uh, he was just one of those guys who just couldn't play the game ever, ever, just couldn't do it. And he always did it his way. And it cost him uh, literally. Uh, it, it did. I mean, probably millions of dollars along the way. But he is truly an original and uh, really one of the true godfathers of hardcore. And I want to thank Sabu for coming on. Um, and what do we do to follow up that episode? What do we do? Uh, we only get a woman who uh, is one of the uh, greatest who paved the way for the divas and uh, the great success that many female wrestlers are now finding today. But as you will soon discover, uh, she is so much more than a legend in professional wrestling. Uh, it is time to hear from our guest this week, Deborah Maselli. That's how you say it. Ding, ding, ding. Folks, my guest this week is someone who has never let any obstacle before her stop her path to success. She is part of a short list of women who have paved the road for women in professional wrestling in what now has become a super highway of opportunity for females in sports entertainment. But she didn't stop there. Again, taking on another male-dominated industry, Monster Trucks, where she also became a champion. And we'll get to all that and much more. But first, I want to welcome... Uh, Deborah Maselli, as uh, she was born uh, with that name, but uh, she's better known as Medusa. Also, you know her as Alunda Blaze, Alundra Blaze from the uh, WWE and also WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, Deborah, thank you so much for coming on Primetime. How are you? Thank you. And oh my gosh, finally, right? So, like, yeah. before we start taping this, you're like, it has only taken us a couple years to do this interview. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. I mean, I've seen you in a, you know, a couple of uh, events. I thought last time at StarCast, <clears throat> and you just had, you have so much going on. So, that's where I want to start. Let's start there. And uh, I, I know that uh, you've been in the podcast world and you've got uh, something new going on. You're calling it Paving the Way. First, first, tell me about that. I know it's very inspirational, very motivational. Tell me about it. Okay, so uh, just to back up a step, yeah. I we were talking about dogs beforehand, and <laughs> and I, yeah, I've done a lot of a lot of stuff. So yeah. um, I do I do have a toy poodle. She's only three three pounds, and she's a year old. Yeah. And I had two toy poodles before that, and she lived to be about seventeen. And she had um, uh, she had cancer, mm -hmm. so. And I was told that she was only going to have be, you know, live three months. And and I was like, are you kidding me? She was only like seven years old at the time or 10. And I was like, no way, I'm not ready to lose her. So he said, got to get things in order. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to put my dog through all that stuff because I would put myself through that. So I did everything. I did my diligence. And my, my girlfriend's a vet, a holistic vet back. And, you know, I was living in Texas at the time because my husband is military and right. we're stationed at Fort Bliss in the Army. So I called my girlfriend back in um, Citrus County, and she's a homeopath vet. And she said, I need blood work with this and this and this. Anyway, fast forward, she lived until she was 17, and we changed everything. And she wasn't on drugs, just wow. a lot of homeopaths. So it does work. It's amazing. And I just, for my love of dogs. And the reason why I'm going there is that it's part of my life. It's part of what I do. It's part of what I dabble in. So for a long time, I had my own brick-and-mortar um, grooming shop, and I and I put myself through school um, through my wrestling days and monster truck days because I knew that it wasn't going to last forever. Forever, and I knew that 
I wanted to do something that I loved, and I loved animals. So I put myself through grooming school and then master grooming in, um, for show dogs. So I opened up my own shop. It's called Cool Cats and Hot Dogs. <laughs> and, yeah, that. it's so cute because I groom cats, too. It's like the oh only God. one in the county how, that groom cats. I was going to say, how do you Oh, they're crazy. That, but, yeah. They're crazy. Yeah. Oh, they're nuts. But yeah. there's a lot of cats, you'd be surprised, that love getting fast. And then we dry them and then shave them. And they, we shaved them down because of the dander and, yeah. you know, whatnot. And uh, that we shaved them so they looked like a lion. So they had the big lion hair and, yeah. like, the little puff puff on their paws. Kind of like Natty does with her cat. I was doing that 20 years ago. Mm. And then inside the shop, there was an organic doggy bakery. But we ended up closing it because uh, we moved to Germany for the um, military, which uh-huh. I totally love. I gained so much weight because the pretzels and beer were fantastic. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And so, but I tried to keep it open. But if you've ever owned a business, it, it, it's Nobody treats it like you do. And, I mean, to me, customer service is everything. And it was going downhill quick, and so I had to close it. So now, to give back, I groom for the military for free, like friends or family or for around the community. If they say, hey, Deuce, can you groom my dog? I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, if it's for military, I'll groom for free. And then um, intermittently, I'll groom just to keep my practice up. So I wanted to start there because you and I talked about animals. Yeah. And yes, I do have a, a lot going on, but it's kind of like that secret empire. So my whole life, and it's so funny, I'm glad you asked me this because I was just reminiscing with my husband about this, about healing. And what does a almost a 60-year-old woman do um, as far as a transition, transition, transition to make herself relevant in such a a young entertainment sport. Um, the demographics are not as large um, and older, I think, as much as it is between you know, the 18 and 32 year olds. You know, for the fan base. Right. And in monster trucks, my the demographics were amazing. I had little three year olds all the way up to 99 year olds. So my fan base covers from three to 99. So it's like, how do you interact with such a huge fan base and yeah. just and I figured it out, like, what you do, you do what you love, and you just, you keep, you keep, you keep moving on, right? Pushing yeah. through. So I was looking at here lately um, at all of this young talent and all the great opportunities they have today where it was not available back, you know, when I was in the business and trying to get something so amazing like they're able to now and people just coming to them wanting them to you know rep their product or let's make a product after you and it's just so cool to see how it's not easy but it's so much there for you so anybody that can't do um, anything after pro wrestling or any entertainment industry especially ours afterwards is just crazily insane not branding themselves correctly and like, I remember back in the day, I've always wanted my own wine, or I've always wanted my own perfume, so I always wanted to do my own autobiography. And trying to do it on your own, what, 40 years ago, was not heard of, Right. you know? Absolutely. And I had, I, I had this all laid out and these ideas, and it was so ahead of my time, Sean. I, it just, uh, my God. You know, as far as my, as far as people say the legacy of Medusa is like going to Japan, living there three years, having a contract which was unheard of for the first time for American woman. And then coming back and, you know, reinventing Medusa. And it was, you know, and then my career started taking off. 
But in between all of that, it was just, it was always trying to survive and struggle. But yet I had these big dreams as far as marketing and branding, but I was doing really well as far as marketing and branding my name, keeping it big, keeping it out there. But I've always wanted those extra trinkets. And now I'm able to put that all together, but I don't have the huge machine or wheelhouse or, you know, I'm not the young talent that makes all that, you know, the big money to, or the marketing that's behind you to do so. So what do you do? Do you sit back and say, oh, well, with me? No, you become creative and you find the um, other avenues um, to do so. And I, I would teach these kids because I teach, um, I'm giving a seminar this weekend um, to some fellow colleagues wrestling. A lot of independent wrestling organizations will hit me up and say, hey, Deuce, will you do your seminar? And it's called Kick, Wrestle, and Roll. Mm-hmm. And it's about branding. I teach them um, the forbidden truth that we never were taught. And it's still not really embedded or taught. Uh, that is, I teach them about finance. I teach them about uh, uh, legalities of trademarks, lawyer, um, health, health insurance, um, term life, you know, everything. And the basis of what um, could and couldn't happen and um, just a really lot of good nuggets. And so that's kind of like um, what I do for fun on the outside when I do personal appearances, like when I go to StarCast. Yeah. I tried implementing my Paving the Way new podcast and to, you know, full circle back when you wanted to start this podcast. <laughs> I mean, you know, the interview is, uh, I did, I did have a uh, podcast um, called Full Throttle right. and I absolutely love it. It's it's a way to get creative and, and interview people and, and know them and get to know their story and but I did it for a year and a half and I was just banging my head because I didn't have that wheelhouse and I just jumped into it just like, you know, facing feeling. And I liked that because it motivated me and I really learned a lot and I kept it at, I kept up at it for about a year and a half and I just said, you know, screw it. I just, my, my heart isn't in it. I'm sick of talking just, like wrestling, I want to expand. Yeah. I want to be me. I need to do me. Now, if it's some about wrestling and people involved in it, then that's fine. But I just didn't want 24-7 wrestling. Yeah. There was something more there for me. So that's when I started Paving the Way, and that's my niche. Paving the Way is about every walk of life, every person, you, me, my mother, the grocery, the cart pusher, and the dog walker. Because, John, everybody has a story and it's beautiful and it's unique. And nowadays, with the opportunities, we can turn that small story into a web series, into a documentary, into a motion picture. And that's what's so cool. And that's what, you know, a lot of people are doing. And so I'm seeing what's happening. And that's kind of like all of this is coming to fruition um, so yes, with everything working, I've got a whole line of stuff coming out, but it's, I'm trying to do it strategic because it's my own money. It's on my own wheelhouse. It's my own marketing. I don't have a machine behind me to do it. And I'm 56 years old. So I have to think about what my demographic is. You know, I'm, I'm back with the WWE as far as, you know, a Hall of Famer, a legend contract, yeah. and I'm with 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds. But thats they're not excited to see a 56-year-old woman all the time. You know what I'm saying? They're mm-hmm. fan base. So I've got to learn how to implement 
my beliefs, my love, my career, my, you know, my message and what I want to put out there and what I'm so passionate about. So um, does that start off the interview good? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, 12 minutes in or 14 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, you, you mentioned though paving paving the way, and I listened to a few of them, and they're they're these uh, you know they're not long these short messages, but they're you know very inspirational, and and you talk about different aspects of of you know what people might be dealing with in their lives, and man, you yes. certainly certainly have traveled the road to be uh, you know an authority on all of that. But when I look back, and and I know that right now you're you're also trying to put together um, you know a documentary. I think it's your yes, personal sir. revolution. A series and yes. folks, uh, you ought to check it out at indiegogo.com. Uh, that's just another one of your projects. But I, I look back at your life, and I have to imagine because you were born a few years after me, but that, that period of time in life, how uh, exciting, first of all, for you to, to, to blaze a trail, to be on this road, but at the same time, how tough it must have been for you along the way because there were so many roadblocks. And we see today now that you can do these things because of the internet and all these opportunities that you can really self-start. Mm. But back then for you, and I was just like, what was this person like as a kid? And uh, wow. you, know, you describe yourself <laughs> in, in Minnesota, but I, I really, tell me about who, who that kid was when you were growing this, up. Oh, you're funny. Well, I, okay, so being an only child and having a... Um, a distant relationship with my mother um, and never knowing my father was. My father never knew I, I existed. We, we, ne- we just, he never knew I was born and I never knew I had, you know, who he was. Mm-hmm. And so that alone, uh, to tell you kind of the basis of this little girl. Yes. So, and we were on, you know, welfare and food stamps. I remember those days. And, you know, I'm sure my mother tried and did the best she could at, you know, increment levels of life. And I'll save that all for the, you know, story. And she's my mother, you know, and Mm -hmm. no matter what, I love her. And, but we went through some things and it totally changed my view and the trajectory of a child on which path I took. Mm-hmm. Somehow, some way, Sean, because I never had that mentor, that man in my life, you know what I'm saying, that mm-hmm. did me right. And, and to show me the way. And it was always, what, what did they say? Fight or flight, fight or fight, fight. Yeah, fight or you, flight, you fought. I believe. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I did that coming out of the womb. And, yeah. you know, from, you know, being born and busting my mother's tailbone, tailbone as I was born and fighting my way out, it was, it was hell. And uh-huh. I tried to find my way from a little girl getting beat up at the bus stop every day and just not understanding and... Um, I was being independent. I was creative. I was very athletic. And I think, no, I knew that the athleticism is what saved me, you know, being in sports and keeping out there because I didn't have any other outlets. And 
Uh, yes, and of course, being in Minnesota, we were eight months frozen, so all they did was ice skate, <laughs> you know, right. and uh, and ice fish and whatnot. So I, 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 um, I remember that I never wanted to be like that and struggle, and yeah. you know the hardships that my you know that my mother had to go through, and it scared me to death so much that at fourteen I got my first job at Arby's. You know, I think it was for a dollar seventy or two seventy an hour, and yeah. you know, and worked my way from there. And and then it's just a, an amazing story. You know, there's a lot of yeah. um, you know trauma, trial, you know, just tragedies to triumphs, and it's a feel good, you know, story at the end of the day. And it's yeah. it's educating. Um, I I really want. Um, people to know that this is something that they can watch with with their kids um, and then talk to them and educate them and you know use it as a tool um, experimental um, to help them understand um, decision making um, life's ups and downs and if you don't or if you do or don't make a decision this is this could or could happen you know use this as a tool yeah. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's very going to be very educational and fun. It'll make you laugh, cry, maybe piss you off in some of it, yeah. but it meaning in a way that you're because you you just your soul heartfelt in it. Um, I have an amazing team behind me um, that it's you know it may take us a little while to get it, but as soon as our funds are able, we can finish it, and then um, it's kind of like a. Um, it's kind of like a start to the marketing of the biography. And the biography is going to be done so different, Sean, than anything you've ever seen. It's really cool. Again, one of my ideas, but I haven't seen anybody do it this way at all yet. Mm -mm. That's great. The way I have planned. You mentioned, uh, you know, growing up and, uh, yeah, I, I came from a family where my my father was absent, and I, you, you know, it's a hole in you forever. And oh my I could God. I could see from your viewpoint though here because you're you know whether we and I look back at it now, I mean it was a great, uh, you know, uh, attribute. I mean all because mm-hmm. it made me want to succeed and show people that I was you know I wasn't trash or I wasn't worth something. Right. And you're always trying right. to prove no matter what. I mean you're you're trying to look for that approval, whether it was from your mother or a father oh, you never absolutely. met. Absolutely. Yeah, and that you absolutely. saw is that what really drove you early on that you remember. That uh, you, you said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to end up in a life where I'm struggling. Right. And I just feel like um, I, I, my husband will tell you firsthand yeah. uh, that I am, you know, I work 24-7 and it's hard for me to find that neutral. Uh, but I learned to do that a few years ago when I went and lived on an island and lived in a tent for about eight to ten weeks and I became a yogi and I needed that more than anything and then I became a yoga instructor as well mm-hmm. but that was the best thing that happened in my life because I've always had I always felt like I had to prove that I was somebody to myself not yeah. not that I needed to prove to anybody else but it was the fear of looking back and not being that or not having that you know um but it's also it's also never enough, to... right? I mean, it's also never enough no. because you're looking. I mean, I, you talk about like what you do, 
you, and and it just comes out. Yeah, and then I did this, and then I became a yogi, and then, and then people, you know, there's stuff that people wouldn't accomplish in 30 years of their lives. You've done in a couple of years. Uh, I mean, when when it all comes out, and it, it is, it's just amazing. It's never enough. But uh, you found it that is. Path. It, wait till you hear more. Wait till yeah. you hear more. It's crazy the crap yeah. that I had the the the, the diplomas and certifications, and it's just like I just keep going and going yeah. and going. But it's because I have an interest. It's not that I'm trying to prove and I'm trying to keep score. It's not about that. It's not life's accomplishments are not about a score keeping. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just that it feels my it's my fuel, and I uh, I've always wanted. I, I I couldn't tell you. You know. My husband had the most amazing mother, and she passed away um, because of cancer. And his father died right before I met my husband. And so he, I, I told him the other day, I broke down, and I was saying, you know, I would have given anything, you know, to have what you had, you know, just to have yeah. the love, you know, just to have my mother tell me she loved me one time, or to have a father around just to show me, something that I didn't have to teach on my own, you know, like, you know, teaching myself to change the oil in my Harley or something, you know, <laughs> just to have a father to show me the ropes when it was hard. It, it just, I, I will never experience that. I wouldn't know. I don't know what it's like to get, listen to that. I don't even know what it's like to like send a father's day card. Yeah. You know, isn't that weird? That's just weird. Yeah. Um, or never, it just, or have a uh, never have a birthday card from a dad saying I love you, you know. So those are the things that uh, growing up I just was looking at, and just it was such a void. And yeah. trying to block it out and just go forward. That's why I succeeded the way I have in in forms that where when you say and so many people say I, you were ahead of time, you you succeed in this at a time that you shouldn't have. I've hit my pinnacle how many times when I shouldn't have, and I'm still here. Uh, you know, I'm not a drunk. I'm not a drug addict. I, you know, I haven't, you know, sold myself or my soul, and I can hold my head up high. And I'm just so, so lucky. Just lucky. And that's what my story's about. You know, the, the, oh, it's just amazing. I wish I could just step out and look at it like it's not me. I'd yeah. be like, holy crap, how did that kid do it? You know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's what that's about. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and, yeah. Uh, and wrestling was a, a huge part of it. And, uh, oh, my God, that of, helped uh, me so and, bad. <laughs> yeah. Huh? I said, that helped me so bad, thank yeah, God, because... Uh, well, and, and oh. that's one of the reasons I really wanted to, to have this conversation with you, because, uh, like we said at the top of this discussion, um, I said, there, there's so many opportunities for women now in in uh, sports entertainment is. but back oh, then and, and especially when you started coming in and i was you know i was uh working with the wwf at the time and and saw well you know it was a sideshow you know women coming in and oh, they yeah. it wasn't like they weren't working but it was a sideshow and uh I, that i really wanted to be able to talk about that today because i don't know if uh, you realize the impact you had but um, I don't. I, th Sean, I think I'm people so need to understand you know, what it was like that. when you came in. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. But you know what? When I hear that, it's... I mean, I witnessed yeah, it. I mean, I okay. saw all that all that going on at the time. I know. I know you saw a lot, and I did too back then. And, yeah. you know, there's some things that, it, 
my story and my biography is not a tattletale book, and there's stuff mm-hmm. I wouldn't even share or say because it's no one's business. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because mm-hmm. this is a story about me and my life and the triumph. So those hard times, some of them would be mentioned because of my doings and what I had to go through, not the shit that I saw. You know, not the things that a lot of people want to hear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Of the nuggets about other people. You know, it's, it's not about that. It's about some of the transitioning into that, yeah. But the um, when you say you had such an impact and you changed this and that, it, it's very hard for me to hear. And I never thought anyone respected me. I didn't think anyone liked me. I didn't. I did my job. I retired at 2001, and I didn't have a thing with wrestling. I never watched it one day. I closed the door. I went on. I moved on, and I did Monster Trucks for 18 years. And then I got a call to be inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2015, and I was scared to freaking mm-hmm. death. Yeah. I was more scared to come back and meet everybody only for the fear of how they would and would not accept me. I, am not, I was more scared than that than giving my damn speech. And I never, you know, I mean, thank God. I mean, I was, you know, I was, of course, I was frightened giving my speech, even though I was still entertaining 60,000 people with the monster trucks and hitting the mic every weekend. Yeah. But, I, you know, the, the person that had the biggest balls was Mick Foley. And when he came forward and said, Deuce, I, I, I apologize. I'm like, out of the blue. Mm. I'm like, for what? He goes, I drank the Kool-Aid. And I said, what? He goes, I drank the Kool-Aid. And I was just you know, believing and hanging and saying and doing whatever everyone else was doing the time when you dropped the title, in the, you know, in the trash can. And he goes, I never understood it. Why? You know, mm-hmm. it was, he said, it was the start of the revolution. It's, you were sticking up. It was equality. And I said, absolutely. No one knows the real, I mean, I say this story and what it is, but let me tell you, the, the really good story is in the book. And I'm going to touch on it in the documentary in a bit, you know, just a bit. But I mean, the true story, in there and in what it is is I mean, i'm not gonna you know blow it here but the story is of what i believe the what needed to be done because of like you said and you thought it was just a damn side show and when i was let go i understood it it was business you know vince had to make a decision what really disappointed me more than anything and that's when I, I didn't understand when I heard and he said that, you know, he was so disappointed in me because I dropped the title in the trash. Mm. But why why wasn't it a thing for me being disappointed because he just let the women go? Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean? That's what it was more downside. symbolic than anything. No, yeah, you know. Exactly. It was just yeah. let's let the women go because I need to make a change. But the thing is, again, you know, I was feeding, I was putting the you know, I was the breadwinner. I had to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, it was no big deal back then. That's what I mean. So yeah, I lived through that crap and it almost killed me. I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, again. And I'm a survivor. I probably would have thought of something, whatever. But, you know, then it, then it was, you know, thank God for Eric. Thank God for WCW, you know, and that whole thing. And then, you know, when the title in the trash happened, it wasn't, I didn't think anything of it. My main concern, and Eric will tell you, like, you know, hey, I got to get that belt back. That's not mine. I got to give it to Vince, you know, just so you give it back after, you know, we do this stint. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, cool. And he did. I got it right back. And my every intention, every single intention, I swear to God in my family, was I need to give that belt back. And, but of course, it never happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's what that story. 
Not yeah. all of it, but yeah. Yeah, but but backing mm-hmm. up, and and I have to wonder when you first came into this. I mean, as we as mm-hmm. we mentioned, and you you meant you you talk about you know the five dollar matches when you when you were starting with the the independent circuit. Oh yeah, it's sure and, feels and good. And we're yeah. talking five dollars. Yeah, but we're talking. <laughs> I guess guess early eighties, and it wasn't long before. The men were making pretty damn good money, if, especially if you were attached to the WWF. Um, mm, they were making good money back then. Yeah. And I but, was, even when I was with them, yeah. I didn't even, I never made, I never made $100,000 working yeah. with WWF back then. But I could tell you what the guys are making. I dated one. So, yeah. you know, that's what I mean. It's yeah. like, are you kidding me? Oh, it was horrific. So, and that's why, like, but I'm glad now you, you can't live like that in the past. It was, it, and everything in history is a learning, you know, and I just happened to be that. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing that separates me, I don't, don't, don't think for a minute that there aren't those that I sit here and go, you know, in, in my own house, not on my phone, not on social media, I sit in my house and lick my own wounds, you know, <laughs> and, feel, and have, a, have a pity party for myself once in a while. You know, it's only healthy to get it out in my own, you know, my own square here. But I don't do that out in public. And it's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But in those early days, in, you know, like when you did, butt. when you got to the AWA, and uh, that was mm-hmm. a, a big powerhouse still then, uh, so many great mm-hmm. names coming out of there, but... Uh, oh my God! It was something in the water. <laughs> yeah, I mean Minnesota. Come on, and it was uh, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, you had to come out swinging every day if you were a woman back then, oh. and uh, you know, uh, and you won Rookie of the Year for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. What did that do for your career at the time? Did you get this big payday? Were you getting more attention? I mean, what what kind of an impact did that have? Well, I think that. Really, what persevered in everything in my whole career was my actual talent. Uh-huh. You know, it, and I, it wasn't—it wasn't that I was making more. And the, it, I don't know how the hell I got rookie of the year the first time PWI. I mean, that was the first time a woman ever did. That was right. Let's say right then and there. I mean, that could have been the start of the revolution. You know what I mean? It actually changed, and it did get noticed, and it did. It did knock me down a few notches with the guys, I'm mm-hmm. sure. And, you know, it was hard to get booked. It was hard to, you know, Jeez. blah, 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 blah. So it was, a, it was, it was great, but it was a death. Yeah, it wow. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, it didn't. Instead of launching you, it, yeah, it was, it was it, still so good. Instead of launching me yeah. and putting me forward on it, because that wasn't the era. That's not what they did back then. We're yeah. thinking now, like what they do when, when, you know, hey, the first WrestleMania, the first Hell in the Sun, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, they escalate. They put that, they escalate that because it's the first and they make it monu- you know, monumental now. Back then, oh my God, first PWI woman, whoop, let's just shut the door on that because we can't push that too much. Yeah. Because those are just the different eras. I just happened to be at that era at that time, but it was... Can you think of it? If I think about it, let's just you and I reminisce here for a minute. Let's think about Medusa and take her out of that whole equation. What would have happened with women's wrestling? Any of that? Where would we still be as far as we are in women's wrestling today? We could be, but look at half of the crap that I did and changed. Not that I changed women's wrestling, 
you know, uh, you know, for the way it is today, but I help, um, I help pave the way. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, absolutely. So, and I, and I mentioned that, and of course there were women before you, uh, you know, Mula and absolutely. May Young and these people, but it was a completely different world. They, they, you know, they have to they be given credit, but by shaking, but yeah, but, but I'm, and I'm saying shaking it up though. And you look at people like Wendy Richter and, and Sherry Martell, who you worked with very closely during those years. And you look mm-hmm. like what they went through too. I mean, like I said, there's a short list and, and you're definitely on that of, of during that period of time of breaking through that barrier, like Wendy with WrestleMania one. And you think about, you know, and I, I, agree, mean, I agree. She was you. huge. Wendy does not. Yeah. Wendy does not get the credit she does or deserves at all. And it just infuriates me. Wendy was the start of a really main, she is the one that started the revolution within the WWF for all the women really today. Well, and look she at the, the price she started. paid. Right. I mean, look at the price she what paid. She stood up. Well, she stood up and and said, "I want." I'm just asking for fairness. And and look, I mean, five months after WrestleMania, uh, she's gone. She and that it was that next November that Madison Square Garden, and that was when because she dared challenge that business, that industry. But if it wasn't for her to start that, so, yeah. And people don't know that. I mean. She just didn't want to be on Moolah's payroll anymore. Mm-hmm. She wanted to get paid directly, not through Moolah's freaking camp, yeah. you know? And good heads off to her. You know, she was sick and tired of leaving percentages or however it went. Don't, you know, verbatim her exactly. But, I mean, that woman, oh my God, she deserves so much credit. And then um, she actually came, I mean, changed the whole bridge from the old style to the new style. She broke it from, you know, music and commercials and cartoons and she had gimmicks and all of a sudden she's gone? What was that? Because she asked for more. She helped women today. And then absolutely the biggest bridge ever was way back in the bridge all the way from her to me. Dropped the trash because I didn't have enough and I never got paid near a hundred thousand dollars and wow. I still got one of my biggest checks or my 1040s I kept it from my book I still have it on what I made and it would be like wow didn't uh. even make a hundred thousand yeah so um and then from there I loved what has happened you know of course yeah. we you know we went in a different direction because that was just the era you know we go to attitude era divas era and stuff and, you know, we can't fault the women in that era. A lot of them worked their ass off and they were beautiful. And that's just what was happening. It was it was hard, sexy, raunchy wrestling, you know, in some aspects. But, you know, it was entertaining. And that was just oh, yeah. the time. And it just, it was just the time and it was hot and it was smoking. It was, it was at the pinnacle. You know, you know how wrestling goes. It goes up and down. So... Yeah. Wendy Richter era, hot, 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 and all the way down, you know, it was dead. And then all of a sudden, hot, 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 attitude era, right? Yeah. And all the way, you know, attitude era, then down. I mean, we're just talking, blah, 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 blah. and all of a sudden, what? It's hot right now. It'll stay hot for a while, but it's going to crash again. You know of what course. I mean? Yeah, up it, and down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it will. But but you talk about, you know, those who, who paved that road. 
Um, you know, and I look look Thank back you, at some of the matches. <laughs> no, but it's true. And and but I look back at those matches, like the ones you had with Nakano, and and my God, mm. they were just, uh, you know, certainly as uh, on a competitive level as the men's, and, it, and that's what was so different that you started to see the real change happening. And, um, yes, I will have to agree with you there. Yeah. And that's when I knew that when I came back to Japan um, in 1991, because I yeah. lived in Japan for three years, um, that I knew I needed to bring the style back because that was my whole, you know, idea of doing that and to be taken seriously and not just a sideshow. And when I came back, I just, you know, put a little bit of American and Japanese in there and created, you know, Medusa. When I came back here, there was a very few women you know, that work that style. And I, you know, I wanted believability. And, you know, I just didn't want, you know, it was bad enough we were a sideshow and then to watch women wrestle in there, I just cringe sometimes like, oh, God, get them out of there. Because if you can't wrestle, how can we be taken seriously? Of course we're a damn sideshow. Get moved, let's change the whole thing and let's, let's do this. And so when we, Bull and I, oh my God, I'll tell you what, the first year in Japan, they beat the crap out of me, literally. Yeah, I, I didn't know which that. way I was going. Yeah, because Are men, men they say, you know how tough they it is for They were schooling me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was it, it just, was it as me. tough for women? I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like. Because you, you, you hear the tales yeah. of the men saying that just it was brutal. You know, you go over there and they expect it. That's just, that's what they want. Oh, no, 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 no. They want to see you break. Yeah. <laughs> and then most of the girls would go home. Oh, no, they, are you kidding that? I survived three years. There's not one, there, to this day, there's not one American woman that stayed there for three years. Oh. And, and, and got a contract yeah, that, that, that early on. Yeah. No, yeah. that was unheard I mean, there's of. some that stayed there for a year, maybe a year and a half. They got the hell out of town, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, I, when I set my mind to, to something, Sean, I, 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 I go at it. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes I may falter and go off path a little bit, but I get back on and I'm look the hell out. But as yeah. far as Bull Nakano, I'd like to see her in the Hall of Fame because she she very I mean she deserves it. Oh, oh my God, she deserves it. And um, her matches and I mean I, I thank her all the time. Her and I would have such great great matches. We wouldn't talk in the ring at all. It was just that that perfect of a dance. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was mm-hmm. so methodical. Oh God, it was so amazing. And um, and I had a lot of you know great matches with other Japanese girls and some Americans too, you know there there's women that don't get recognition that did a lot of jobs for me like Heidi Lee Morgan, you know and um, Leilani Kai and uh, Judy Martin don't get enough credit either. Um, I just I don't know you know we just wish I wish I feel that sometimes WWE forgets about anybody behind anything from the attitude era back and i and it just it hurts it's disappointing and i know they kept me active and i'm very grateful i really am but there's a few that really need you know to be you know just in the spotlight again you know i mean it we we ain't not just about now i'm not saying that you know they have to be full-time or anything but and I, I know we're in the business of entertainment. You know, people say, oh, no one wants to see old women. It's okay to have old, you know, the old legends of men come back and roll around the ring. But, mm-mm. you know, it's just, it's still, we got a lot of work to do yet, you know, equality-wise. 
because it's just not there. It's yeah. not. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, the no. business has and the I business. Just, you know, the business has changed dramatically. We we you know it has. It for still the has better, ways for to go. Women, absolutely. But back then, I mean, it was it was a very much male dominated world, very sexist. We could say that for sure. And but there was there were some men uh, in your life who uh, you you've mentioned in different interviews. Uh, you know, among them, uh, Heyman and then, uh, you know, Kurt Hennig, uh, uh, Greg Valentine, uh, uh, Rick Rude. Yes. Who, uh, yes. And I'm sure there's others, but they were, they were there and helped you along the way. I, I, I'm sure you can elaborate on that, but there were those that, uh, that had influence and helped you. They have, and I'm, yes, they have. Paul Heyman, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he goes on and beyond. If there's an opportunity, he'll include me. Um, and we talk intermittently. He'll always be in my life and my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and Greg, Greg the Hammer Valentine, oh, my God. You know, if it wasn't for him, you know, calling um, Pat Patterson and say, hey, I've got this chick. She's You've got to see her. You guys got to check her out. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't that one call, Pat's like, okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so if it wasn't for that one phone call, who knows, right? Yeah. And you don't forget. You don't forget about the people that, you know, have done good for you, put in a word, or uh, I just, I've never have. You know, whenever I see or I see Greg, I'm very grateful. You know, I shake his hand and say, I am so, thank you so much. How are you doing? And uh, Paul, you know, we talk silly on the phone. And uh, Rick Rude, he's no longer with us, but I, man, I pushed him in, in my speech, on the Hall of Fame speech, and sure enough, he was a Hall of Famer <laughs> the next year or so. And yeah, I'm very, very grateful for everyone that's um, touched my life. Um, and Kurt, to you know, put up with me as his manager, as he did in AWA. I was so green. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, God. Yeah, and, and, and Randy Macho, man. Oh, my God. He was just, he was amazing. He was, he was very worried um, at one of my matches in Japan when, I got when I gigged and I was bleeding all over the place. He was freaking the frick out, <laughs> you know, in his voice. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh my god! How much? Why'd you cut so deep? And then, you know, and I'm like, ah, I'm good, I'm good. I'll never forget that. And um, you know, who else was really nice to um, Mick Foley? Though he's been good, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow was really nice. You know, I just I can go on with a few. But, you know, this Scott Hall, Reason Ramon, uh, said something to me, too, when I was inducted. Another guy that had a nice pair of kahunas, you know, he just said, you know, I never got to say this, Deuce, but a lot of us guys, we just never want to follow your follow your match, man. No one wanted to go after you and Bull McConnell. <laughs> wow. What a compliment. That is, uh, that's really It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And I was like, you've got, I can't believe this. First Mick Foley, now you after, you know, 25 years. You know, I just thought, I think that's amazing. It just takes 25 years. And here, all these years, I thought, no, I just, you know, I thought it was just a piece of crap, really. That's was, how I felt. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I, understanding where you came from, that probably was with you, that insecurity. You know, you never lose it. It's it's always within you. Uh, you just become I know. pretty good at, at, at uh, you know, covering I, it up. Well, I'm a... <laughs> Yeah, I, well, you know, I'm very strong on the outside because of yeah. my survival mechanism, and I'm yeah. very strong, and I I have this knack of nurturing and teaching and educating people about, you know, with motivation and surviving, and 
I you wouldn't believe so many people reaching out in questions and um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the aura, you know, maybe they feel comfortable, confident and um but I think it's just that what you said. You know, I, I hide it well and I've you know, I've gone through a lot of stuff and I, I'm you know, everyone's, I mean, I will tell you, just like, it's, this is not a victim story. It's not a victim book. It's mm. not even that. No one's going to get that feeling, but it's, 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 it's so many things that I've experienced and done that it's like, there's going to be at least one story that someone's going to resonate with. You know, it's not just reading a book where, also a book or a story, it's going to be able to, where people don't have to be, you know, you're not going to know, well, how am I going to say this? You picking, uh, pick up a book. Pick, picking up this book is you're not. You don't know that it's just a wrestler, but it's more than that. It's just more. It's more of a story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of feel. Well, yeah. So you just don't have to enjoy wrestling to read this book yeah. because it's going to take you beyond that. Yeah. Well, I tell you, that's what this podcast uh, has evolved for me. You know, at the beginning, it, to oh. me, it was uh, just getting, but no, but I'm saying it, to get people on and to, you know, talk yeah. about their careers. That was kind of the original idea. And what it's become, though, and, and I noticed, like, you know, episode after episode after episode that is, yeah, wrestling is what was their chosen path. But if you listen yeah. to the stories of these people to pretty much every single one of them, they, mm-hmm. they came from a place where... They struggled. They they had people tell them you can't do this, and they just never quit, and they succeeded. And to me, they're they're inspirational stories. So even if mm-hmm. if you just listen to these stories about these people, you I don't know how it cannot inspire you to try and achieve anyway or go after what you want. Uh, and it doesn't have to be wrestling. And that's you know that like you're saying that's your story. I mean, it is it, of never quitting, of of always challenging yourself. And, uh, you know, that was true, uh, you know, like when you went to WCW, I mean, that's, that was like a major accomplishment. Then you go to the WWF, uh, with the idea that they want you to revive the women's division. I, uh, I don't know if you grasped it at the time. I mean, it was a job and you were going to get paid, but was that, uh, kind of an enormous, uh, burden to take on initially thinking that they're expecting me to make this happen? Well, I don't. I didn't look at it as a burden at all. I mm. I looked at it. I remember this clear. Like it was a challenge, and I was mm. like, "Whoa!" You know, division again. It was been. You know, it's been. It's been stifled or whatever. And oh my gosh, they picked me to do it. Holy shit! Yes. And then it was like there was hardly anyone to wrestle. Yeah. So it just became stagnant. It was like lost. And I was struggling. And I was trying to grasp, and, you know, and then we started getting, you know, the Japanese over. And then we were doing little intimate things here and there. And then we had a great little thing with Bertha Bay. And, you know, yeah, we did the best we could with what we had. You know, and I don't mean as far as other talent, just the, the scarcity the of it. wasn't you there, know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the level. Absolutely. You know, I love, you know, when I look back and I look at some of the stuff with Birds of Bay, that was so funny. It was cute. Her and Harvey Wimpleman. We don't have any characters like that. You know, there's no manager like that. With It's just, you know, I don't know. Well, 
But what was it like, you though? Know, I mean, was the peak WrestleMania 10 for you with the with the WWF at that time? Because it, that was, un, you know, incredible to, to be on the stage there at WrestleMania 10 must have been, uh, I don't know if you took a, a chance to look around and say, man, uh, I'm here. I did it. Okay. So, yeah, it's Madison Square Garden, by the way. Yeah. The old, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget it. I, I was wrestling Bull Nakano, Madison Square Garden. We were in that, that uh, it was like uh, the hallway. Everyone was, uh, all the fans would walk. And it was like our door was right there by the fans. And then right across, you could see kind of the, you know, the uh, inside Madison Square Garden. And it was Bull Nakano and I and uh, Luna Vachon. And um, I'll never, I think it was there. I'm pretty sure it was there. I think it was after the match. And Luna, you know, bless her heart, um, you just never knew what mood she was in and when she was going to come around. And um, Hmm. I took care of her a lot on the road, but she lost it that night and she just went, Oh my God, she went off and just started swinging and trying to beat the crap out of me. And mm. it was something that happened. And, you know, we just still don't know to this day, but it was just Luna and her personalities. Yeah. And we had to deal with that all the time. It was so unpredictable. And of course, my big heart, you know, I just, you know, I had to carry her through, you know, a lot of international flights and a lot of, you know, travel. And I remember there was a time I felt so bad, you know, at this um, time when we, you know, were bringing back women's wrestling. And um, after we got the, you know, when we were starting the tournament and I was wrestling Hyperly Morgan, my God, thank God for her. Um, and then I had a, I think I had a, I had a cycle with Luna and we were getting ready. We were in Canada and I wanted to drop the belt to her so bad. And, WWF wouldn't let me and I'm like come on it's just her hometown or something or something in Canada just yeah. one time the kid never had the fucking belt they're like no and I'm like I'm, okay fine and so I told Luna I said I'm dropping the belt to you tonight I'm wrestling and she goes oh no don't no 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 dude she still called me Medusa <laughs> even when I was blazed no yeah. Medusa I said yeah I'm gonna do it and what are they gonna do fire me let them fire me I just if there's anything I want to remember is you winning the title one time yeah. And yeah, and um, she wow. she refused. Yeah, and so hmm. I was I was laying there, and she I remember she it was a house show too, and I was just laying there, and I wouldn't even kick out. She pulled up my hair, my head up by my hair <laughs> to pick me up, so she would She's... so I wouldn't be counted out. And she'd go fuck, fucking fuck you! I'm gonna get fired if you don't fucking kick. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm laying here for too. You know, we're going back and forth and laughing. And uh, excuse the language, but that's truly what happened. And um, and um, it was just, and there's so much more. You're like, we're changing it. the world here, Luna. Come on, come with me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then she started beating my. No, she didn't beat my ass. But oh yeah, it was some great times there. Um, through that, that whole tournament and that, you know small run that I had, but. I don't know. It was um, it was a big change, that's for sure. You know, after all these years, uh, when I um, was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, and when I was at uh, the stage practicing before, you know, that night, 
Um, that morning I had my hair in rollers and I'm standing there at the podium and we're trying to do, you know, the timing and stuff. And I'm just standing there. My husband's, you know, out in the front with other people just waiting. And my back was turned off and I hear this, Alondra. I went, oh, it is Vince. <laughs> I haven't seen Vince since 1995 or no, 1996, you know? Wow. And I'm really? like, oh my God. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I haven't seen Vince since 1996. And so in 2015, I went, oh, my God, that's Vince McMahon. I just went, oh, I turned around and I'm like, hey, I said, oh, my God, you look amazing. I'm like, oh, my God, you look amazing. I was like, well, thank you. And I go, really? Oh, my God. And and a big hug. And then I just, the first thing that came out of my mouth is just like, I I'm so sorry. He's just like, hey, it's all right, you know. And then we were talking, and he said, you know, and see, I knew this was going to happen where the women are today by our small conversation. And he said something like, "You are exactly what we want. You are you are the type of woman, the style, and where we're going to go. You are our." He didn't say like role model. He said something like, "You are the." mold or something of where we're going. And I was like, what? He just kind of looked at me and, and I just kind of knew what he meant. I'm like, ah, oh, he's going to go for real women's wrestling and like strong style or something and look where we're to at today. So yeah. those few words, it's like in 2015, the light when I knew exactly where we were going. Yeah, it only and took him 20 I was years. like, um, huh? It only took 20 years for that. 20 <laughs> years. Yeah, yeah. But he believed in me when he hired me then and he yeah. really wanted women's wrestling, you know, yeah. but it just wasn't going the way he wanted to, I guess. And, um, I worked my ass off. I, you know, I did my best. Um, but I live vicariously now through the women of today because this is me. My, not, this is me living vicariously through them yeah. because this is my style. Yeah. yeah. But this back, is me but back then, but back then, and, and you've you've talked about it several times of that uh, conversation with J.J. Dillon when they let you go, and uh, yes, there's there's just so much to that. Uh, as we mentioned, kind of that's that's uh, um, you know it was symbolic the, the the belt in the trash can. It wasn't just you saying "f you guys" for doing that to me. It was no. like this is what you think of women's wrestling, mm-hmm. and and at that point, did you feel like God? Now, how much does this set us back? Were you thinking that then mm-hmm. when you? From when you left the you WWE, when I they... dropped the title in the trash. Yeah, but when they let you go, were you feeling like God? All this work, and then that's how much they value oh, it. Oh, are you, you feel kidding like... me? Yeah. I was disappointed. I told yeah. you, I was so, I was more disappointed. Listen to this. I was more disappointed that that they, yeah, they were letting me go. But what the frick have I been doing? I'm yeah. trying to build something here. Yeah. I mean, my emotions. I mean, I was thinking work, business. And yeah, I needed to feed people or whatever. And I was thinking, what the hell am I going to do? But me as a motivating, yo, you know, trying to, uh, you know, I was lost. I was baffled. And then, of course, the stint and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and then that totally took a whole freaking turn. And then women's wrestling started to turn. And I'm like, I am not doing this. I am not about freaking barbecue, freaking matches and you know, evening gowns, and I, I'm not this. I'm changed. When it's just it's changes, and it's time for me to retire. I'm done. This ain't it. 
But what about when you no, went to WCW? I respect, I respect myself. I respect yeah. myself to walk away from a freaking paycheck because that's not, that was yeah, just too hard. Yeah. But, but when you, you went to what? WCW, was that, was that better though? I mean, did they, Eric, who you know, brought you in and those were the, you know, like you said, that was the start, uh, you know, a big we part tried. of that. I believe that we tried. We had an idea to have women's wrestling, but again, there wasn't much, you know, Yeah, we just, uh-uh, there wasn't, there just still wasn't. We're talking 1992, right? Yeah. Well, there then... wasn't that much. That's yeah, amazing. Because... Yeah, there's still what? We had to get the Japanese over there. Yeah. You know, think about it. I mean, we had Akira Hokuto, Goro um, uh you know, and then, of course, some of the American talent, which, thank God, a little bit of Sherry and I, you know. Um, oh, my God, thinking of, oh, my God. You'd never believe who I saw for the first time since 1992. Hmm. <laughs> Colonel Parker. <laughs> really? It was a, remember Colonel Parker and uh, Sherry Knight did that whole stint about yeah. the wedding and yeah. her and I fought. That was good crap, man. Yeah. That was really good stuff. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I just yeah. I had bruises and welts, and her and I were laughing oh, afterwards. Oh we're God. like, did you get? So did you get cake up your nose? I hope so. You missed it. And we started laughing. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, it was so good. So good. But, oh, my God. But those, that was fun. And it was just, it was time for me to leave. And so in 1999, I got a really great call from Mike Weber. And he said, Deuce, what are you doing? And I'm like, hey, I'm getting ready to retire. And I go, why? What's up? He goes, well, you know, I used to work for WCW. I'm like, yeah, man, what the hell? What are you doing? He goes, I'm working for Monster Truck. I'm like, Monster Truck? He goes, yeah. He goes, we need a woman to, um, you know, bust the doors and break glass ceilings. I'm like, what? That's me. He goes, yeah, we don't have any. He goes, we need, we need, uh, we need somebody to, he didn't say pave the way at the time, but we need somebody to, we need a face and a name. We need little girls in the crowd and we need, we need a woman driver and there's never been. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you got? A monster truck. What do you mean? He goes, how about if I fly you out and you test drive one? And I'm like, what? You'd okay. never, you'd never driven one before you, before that? No. <laughs> Are you freaking <laughs> kidding me? No, oh dude. So I, I'm just a, um, Jeez. I'm just a Harley driving yeah. dirt bike, four wheel driving girl right so you were so a natural doing these things then huh i mean you got well the wheel i'm gonna and like... tell you <laughs> i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna have to tell you yes i was i was really? a natural throttle rhythm girl oh yeah yep and um so they flew me out and i test drove with uh dennis dennis anderson the great you know legendary yeah. grave digger um uh-huh. founder dennis anderson and him and i were just like we hit it off like brother and sister man it was like, oh, he didn't have to say much. I watched his eyes. I watched his hand signals. It's like, wah, wah, wah. And it's like, I kind of burped over a few cars. Wah, 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 went around this little field. Kind of like, wah, like almost upside down on this pump. Wah, it came out. I'm like, I'm, I'm freaking fired before I'm hired. And so I get out and I'm talking. And they're like, have you ever drove? And I'm like, no, sir. And they go, so, um, have you ever like exercised any of this? I'm like, no. And they go, you're hired. I said, what? <laughs> And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So he's like, and I'm like, what? And I'm not kidding, Sean. Two weeks later, I was in a damn monster truck in front of 62,000 people. Jeez. And then 
I never practiced in one for almost, I'm going to say, 15 years. Jeez. My practice in driving was on the weekends while I raced and did freestyle. We did not have a school. We did not have a practice place. We didn't have that. I just got in behind a truck that was 10,000 pounds, 1,500 horsepower, and hung the hell on. Jesus. And, and you were a two-time champion. Oh, yeah, let me tell you. I busted ass. I freaking changed the whole traditional monster truck. Look the hell out. So they didn't oh realize what the hell they were doing. So it was like a freaking nightmare, dude. So when they hired me, and, and I went in there and I started, I said, you know, I, I'm getting ready. To, I'm negotiating my contracts. I've got all this experience from, you know, 18 years of wrestling. I'm like, I've got this. And I'm like, you know, I don't want anything different. And everybody, now we're talking really nice family, Southern boys racing, you know, you know, we're talking um, um, two spitting <laughs> great guys. And um, and here comes this chick that they're looking up going, oh, my God, who's this? This ride profile, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, she's going to get all this. She's going to get that. She's going to get hundreds of thousands of citizens. Well, I said, look, I know, I know this business. I know I, I know what I'm I'm walking into because it's all men. I know what I need to do to gain their respect because I already did this. So I don't want to be treated different. I want to be decent. You know, I want to be paid fairly. Um, and I want to get in there and get dirty and work just like the guys. Well, be careful what you ask for, Sean, yeah. because for the first couple years, I made Zero money almost. I'm telling you, I'm doing crap. Oh, no. We're talking, I made, I'm going to say, probably just, just I'm going to say maybe $30,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> Driving a monster truck and killing myself. Yeah. yeah I guess maybe I didn't even make that. Jeez. I'm telling you, I got it all. Oh. It's all, it's all I was going to say, at least I was at least phone. hoping you made hundreds of thousands of dollars from this, but no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. So, and then I went on the road. I would throw, I rode in the semi. I broke it down. I put up the monster truck. I worked on the monster truck with my crew chief. I was late up late at night till four in the morning, putting the bitch together. Jeez. And then I was there at, at driving meetings and then i'd go out there and race and do freestyle oh yeah be careful what you ask for but you know what the moment i won world finals mm -hmm. is when i gained the guy's respect wow. they did not take me seriously they would always hinder my machine not where i'd hurt or kill myself but right. they would you know they'd flatten my tires right before a race they would do something to the motor or you know or whatever to you know to slow shit down yeah. they would put powder in my seat so when i quick run up there and sit down you know poof i couldn't see and i choked to death i couldn't <laughs> kick off at the green light it was just hilarious it was yeah. great they're called ribs and they didn't yeah. realize what they were doing but trust me medusa she was putting it all in and yeah. she was waiting she was waiting but she got back Every yeah. single one of them got ripped back, and they didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah. They <laughs> so messed with the wrong woman. Oh, it was so much fun, though. Yeah. It was just good. And um, that was a good life. That was a good life. I really, you know, my body took a lot of shots. Yeah. 
um, you know, in both, you know, uh, careers, occupations, yeah. but I wouldn't have changed a thing. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. And now, you know, as I go through this, you know, almost 40 years of entertainment, it, everything has changed and then would change, changes instant. And then there's the, it, then there's the transition would change. And transition is a, um, it's a journey and it's, yeah. it's how you decide what you're going to do with it and, and the steps that you need to take. And, um, it's your journey. And so every part in every change, there's a great transition. And that's the beauty for me. I love change, yeah. but it's the transition is what makes me. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, uh, the decision of what I do with it and how I do it gracefully. So now during this big transition in my life, just to circle all around, um, in your interview here is that, so now I'm trying to put everything together that I've always wanted as far as all the little trinkets and at an age that is, um, beautiful and acceptable and going through all the funny things as a woman does. And I never thought of when I was 20 and 30 in the business. And of course, yeah, they kind of roll around in your head and you hear from your, your friends or your peers or whatever. Hey, look out for this. This is going to happen. Things going to start changing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there I'm here and I'm here to talk about that. And it's a great time because that's what we do now. You know, we don't close our mouths about certain things. We are open um, and we do share things. So that's why I started that podcast for that reason, because I've been pretty, pretty stifled in my personal life my whole life. I've been pretty quiet. I do interviews. I do talk about things, but I don't give away a lot of the good stuff. You know what I mean? Enough for them to know what's happened and give them a little nugget here and there. But the good stuff is coming. And um, so now I'm just in that transition. And it's a powerful transition because I'm finding myself again. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I really, I love life. I always have loved life. I love people. I love learning knowledge, whatever. And now I don't have to prove so much, you know, and that's so beautiful. And I'm, I'm, um, trust me, I've got lots of things going on, but I'm learning how to prioritize, um, put deadlines, and, um, and to fulfill my dreams that I've always wanted back then that can come true. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing that, that it can happen with all of these beautiful pieces of talent, the young women and men, that um, at such a young age, they're able to do what I've always wanted to do. I can sit there and look at that and go, oh, poor me. Oh, I could have done that. Well, I still can. Period. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what age you are. And also, um, one of the great things that I talk about in the seminar, I think I can do, is that it's about the health, you know, and how we take care of ourselves. I thought I was um, just invincible, you know, at that age. And I know there, I know. They all think that too, and they know they have to take care of their body. They eat right. They do this. They do that. Well, I, I, I see no difference from me thinking that way and them thinking that way. But I think that we're at a really good time at this right now. That it needs to be addressed. It needs to be educated. That they need to take a really hard freaking look at my generation because my generation is falling apart. Mm-hmm. It has been 
falling apart. It's deteriorating by our choice, our choice of what we wanted to do for our life. And our bodies are going to change drastically. And that's what I'm trying to voice more than anything in a lot of these seminars. You made a choice to wrestle. You, you think you're taking care of your body and you are, you're working out, you got a big body, your heart, your big muscles, your this. So was I. And I was probably one of the cleanest ones ever because I didn't do drugs. I didn't, I had wine or a drink. I I just, you know, I wasn't there. I was Mm -hmm. like where it's at. A lot of us don't do a lot of that. So I think that, um, that having them take a good look at my, my, and, and a little bit before, like the guys that are 10 years old that are, you know, that had the hip replacements, the knee replacements, yeah. all the back surgeries, all of the neck surgeries that can't, I, I go to these common cons and these guys can't walk. And our talent, and I just wish these federations would educate our talent, not so much that, hey, yeah, you can come here and learn and get a paycheck while you do, and hey, this is how you cut a promo, but hey, what about your life? Yeah. You know, your, medically, your body, and, and where's, where's, where's that cushion and that egg to do that and take care of them afterwards? Yeah, and it's, so, it's incredible what they're doing to their, these, you know, everything's the high oh my spots God, now. Oh, my God, I'm so frightened. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God, Sean. And so yeah. the most beautiful thing, and as I told you, and we can wrap this up, is that, I, and I've been in situations and places because that's where I needed to be in that old saying or cliche things happen for a reason right yeah well i was just at a sign in some comic con and i and they had all the legends in one room and it was so well done it was so cool there was sergeant slaughter danny davis myself there was paul Orgdor from the killer bees and i really got an opportunity and i cultivated and, and i just it was like brian blair and i just started talking and i never i mean i've seen him before and really just never but we spoke and we talked and it was like so cool and amazing. And he just showed me his back and the surgery and everybody else that couldn't walk around and poor Paul Orndorff and just, oh my yeah. God, and watching these guys just change. It broke my heart. I almost yeah. started crying. I'm like, look at us. Look at us. We are, we need to educate our kids. Look at us. Yeah. This is going to happen to your body. It, it, you, know, you may not feel it now in your 30s, 40s, but I'm going to tell you, Every bump you take, you're shaking your organs. You're shaking your vertebrae. Yeah. You can't ever get that back. It's a car it's not wreck every night. Just, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yes. And it, it, oh my God. And so what happens is everything deteriorates and everything's going to um, just, well, I don't even, we don't even have to get into that right now. Mm. But so here's the thing. So I was talking to Brian Blair and I got talking to him about the CAC, the Cauliflower Alley. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Oh, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a, Oh my God, Sean. It is the most amazing, amazing dot org ever. And I remember for years and years and decades, I've always heard about it. I always kind of looked at it. I'm like, God, I want to be a part of that. But then I got caught up in my life. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go back and I'd listen. I'm like, oh, but I got caught up in my life. And damn it, finally, I said, not anymore. I was gravitated towards Barn for some reason. And we we just talked and talked and talked. And then all of a sudden, we there at the Delta Sky Club room while we were flying out and we had two hours to kill and we talked and talked and talked again. Mm-hmm. And then I said, Brian, this is amazing what the CAC does. And I, I finally realized the CAC actually gives back to our talent, not just wrestling, but I'm talking about 
entertainment people, if it's from, you know, if it's uh, actors and wrestlers and MMA, and uh, and then I included, I said, why not circus performers or um, race car drivers if they don't have their own because, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And, And then he told me the CAC actually gives back. So, like, every time someone joins the CAC, like I said, Brian, I'm going to become a full member. After everything you finally told me, and I understand what CAC is about, I'm not putting aside anymore. So the first thing I did is became a full time, a lifetime member, and half of it went to the dot org. And what the dot org does, and I mean, I'm going to huge, be the huge advocate for this. I mean, it it just oh, my heart just swells. Is that it goes back for any wrestler, or any entertainer in need, like Kamala and his legs, right? Yeah, and right, other right. people. Oh my gosh. So we don't have that nest egg called the social security within our entertainment right. industry like the NFL. And God forbid somebody say, Hey, hey, we need a union. Oh my God, it's oh, like yeah. you're you're blackballed, you're you're getting mm-hmm. out of here, you don't have a con and we're all scared we have a contract, yeah. we'd never be work again. And yeah. still yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. So who's gonna be the first organization to team up with C A C and be that prominent figure and say, Hey, okay, why can't we team together so we'll encourage our talent to become members, but yet, uh, and then they uh, match it. How, how, how great is that? Yeah. And then and then they become a member, and then, you know, you pay your dues, and that way we're all putting money into it, and it's going to become huge and big, bigger, and, and it's going to take care of their own. Right. Now, what organization is going to find it? That way, they don't have to be, the organization don't have to have that umbrella and, you know, take that extra step like the NFL does and take care of their own. Like, yeah. I don't know what they're so scared about. Yeah. They have great drug re- rehab programs, you know what I mean? And it's unbelievable. It's it's, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, Much someone needed. stepped up to me and said, Deuce. Yeah, if someone stepped up to me and said, Deuce, what do I got to do to become a drug addict? Then I get free rehab. But then, uh, do I need to slip and fall, and that way my body will be taken care of? Yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. That's yeah. stupid. No, don't think that way. I said, blah, 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 blah. Get with the CAC because it's going to be the greatest thing ever because I am going to push it and help other people um, educate them on what it's about because I truly believe CAC is going to be the future for us wrestlers. It's going to be our Social Security for us. You know, you went on yeah. to do other things like with the monster trucks and you left wrestling for all that time. But did it, and we yeah. talk about full circle though, being inducted into the WWE, WWE Hall of Fame, what did, I mean, what did that mean in the end there? As far as to stand up on that stage and just, you know, settle it with Vince and uh, and now you're still, you know, you're part of that family again. And it's such a greatest feeling. It's such, I will say this over and over. It's so good to be back. It's an honor. Um, it's great to mend fences and um, to have, you know, WWE to have that. Um, oh, how do you say? Uh, just that acceptance back is mm-hmm. so amazing. I was scared. And I told you that earlier about that whole thing about yeah. people welcoming back. But every single girl, every young girl, Every person there, it was totally opposite. They opened arms. They were hugging me. And I was like, wow, these yeah. girls are amazing. They are so nice and so good. It's totally different. Oh, my God, totally different. I mean, they're so respectful. 
they were so nice. It was so nice. I mean, I never felt so comfortable in my life. And I, I and if it wasn't for Natty, um, um, with her introduction speech, mm-hmm. with and 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 building that platform, she built that for me to be able to produce my speech, and I couldn't have done it without her. Yeah. And yeah, to the truth, and to be back was really good because. Um, it has opened up opportunities, and it was a big change. So I've been on this transition for five years, um, which is, you know, the the uh, Legends contract is coming up. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to ask me to sign a, again or be aboard. It'd be great if they did. I mean, because I really want to be a part, be active, because I want to be that older woman that is, you know, hip and cool, that still is able to get around, that can speak well, that... Mm-hmm. You know, can speak about the diversity and the change and where we came from and how it used to be to, hey, look, we're still active. We still can do things with the older talent and be proud of it yeah. and and help them. Because if we don't stay active with some of the older talent, it makes us look shallow. I think that we're only conducting from this to this. And yeah. we're not about that global environment, that whole global um um company you know what i mean like they want to be there's so much the demographic is now growing across the board like the monster trucks used to be from three to 99 and that's what it's becoming and i think that if they facilitate in a way that um and keep some of us active It'll, it'll be good for them, and it's good for us. We both have a win-win situation. Yeah. And being up on that stage, when I walked through and I was standing there, Gorilla, here's the cutest thing ever. We can close this. Is that when Natty was doing the speech, and she said, "The only woman to ever trash the title, you know, the belt, or the yeah. title in the trash can." The whole crowd went. Uh, and I'm just popped. standing there yeah. looking at the velvet curtain with the tape there in gorilla, crapping myself, going, How in the hell am I gonna take this crowd now? Uh, and the great. only thing I heard behind me was Ben's going, Ha ha Good luck, Alondra <laughs> And I'm like, Oh my god yeah. And I kinda looked out in my corner of my eye and he was smiling and that was it. And yeah. then I watched him a little bit and it was like you know, it's like, oh my God, I got this, and there it was, and delivered. Mm-hmm. Oh well, it has uh, really been an honor uh, to talk with you, uh, Brenda, and you're still. Oh my evolving. God, it's been a minute. It's been yeah, an you, hour, thirty-eight yeah, minutes. I know, and you're still you're still giving back. And I'll tell you, when when people ask me, hey, what episode should I listen to where it's going to really inspire me? I'm going to say you got to listen to Medusa's episode. So uh, really, and, and what is the best way? Cause a lot of people are going to want to follow up on this. You got a lot going on. What is Aww. the best way for them to find out what, what you're up to? Well, we can, well, they can go to my website. That is the best way. It's M-A-D-U-S-A, M-A-D-U-S-A.com. And there's, there's sections on there where you can, you know, type in and ask and comment and, um, and it goes to an email and it filters through and I, I answer them. And then they can catch me on my Instagram and Twitter, which is Medusa, M-A-D-U-S-A underscore rocks. And then just Medusa, M-A-D-U-S-A on Facebook. And, of course, it's Medusa backslash Alundra Boys on Twitter. But at the end of the day, 
the project on Indiegogo, My Personal Revolution, is the docu-series, web series that we're doing. Um, we put together the trailer, which I totally funded with my team, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without my team and the long, hard hours of bone, pro bono work. Yeah. And um, to finish this story, um, um, the uh, Indiegogo fundraiser is available on my website as well as going straight to uh, Indiegogo, my personal revolution, Medusa. You can watch the trailer. There's a little message on there, a video of me talking to you. And um, really get a feel of kind of just the taste of it. Um, if you can't donate, that's cool. Spread the love on social media, and, you know, that will go a long way as well. Yeah. And um, I just want to say thanks to everybody that's ever watched me or listened to me. Uh, loyal fans, there's so many out there. God, I can't believe it, even, in, you know, following me. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm as good as they are. You know what I mean? They, they help me elevate. They help me um, become who I am. Absolutely. We're all a team together. Yeah, <laughs> Excuse me. Well, yeah, uh, this has been a blast, and I want you. To, uh, I want you back on right before that uh, that premieres. Okay. Well, uh, oh the, my gosh! Okay? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. All Good right. Talking. Thank you. What an incredible person uh, Deborah Maselli is. Uh, really, just amazing. And uh, you know, before we had that conversation, I asked her because I'd heard other people pronounce her name Maselli, and she said, "Well, that's uh, what." Uh, that's how they pronounce it in Italy. Uh, here it's Maselli, so that's what uh, that's what I'm going with. And uh, she uh, really just uh, an incredible person. Oh, and by the way, she wasn't born in Italy. That's uh, uh, her her family is from from Italy. Uh, so just in case you know they don't listen to those Wikipedia's or their IDMBs, uh, uh, she uh, she is uh, proud uh, from being from Minnesota. And like I said, what an incredible person. And I you know I say that because. She, of course, has done so much for women in sports entertainment, but she's also done the same for men in the world of professional wrestling, not just women. And uh, after all that, she then goes on to compete in the world of monster trucks, (laughs) just having never been behind the wheel of one of those trucks before and goes on to become a two-time champion. Uh, You heard in the conversation all the other things she's done, uh, and she still still hasn't stopped evolving. Uh, Just incredible. Thank you, Deborah Maselli, uh, Medusa, uh, Alundra Blaze, uh, really, for coming on. I really, really enjoyed that episode. Uh, once again, I want to thank our sponsors this week, including Zip Recruiter. Uh, folks, please frequent our sponsors. They're, they're the reason that we are sponsors because they're the reason we keep doing this. See uh, why Zip Recruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. And because you listen to Primetime with Sean Mooney, you get to try Zip Recruiter absolutely free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash primetime. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash primetime. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And uh, folks, uh, join us on Patreon. We'd love to have you uh, be a part of that. Just go to Patreon.com slash Mooney. Uh, join for as little as four ninety nine. Get the uh, podcast early and absolutely ad-free or become a Mooney or a Legion of Whom member, and you get all those great perks that I mentioned before. Uh, also, and one of those perks is you get a shout-out, and I've got a belated birthday. Happy birthday to you, to Frazier Kemp. 
His birthday was uh, last Saturday, October 12th. Fraser, uh, happy birthday, my friend. Uh, also, uh, folks, uh, join us on Twitter and Instagram. You can uh, catch and uh, catch up on all that we're, we've been doing and also all of our new announcements. Uh, that's at Primetime Mooney at Twitter and Instagram, at Primetime Mooney. Uh, check out the uh, Network Classics we're doing every Monday. This is a new episode we've added to the PTSM lineup. Uh, we uh, do a little watch along. I have a lot of fun with it. And it's uh, it's just me going through it, so you can watch it whenever you want. We just uh, queue it up, and then uh, you watch it. I give you a little background before and after. Uh, it's 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 really we're having a blast doing it. That's every Monday at six a.m. And then of course uh, Saturdays, uh, Saturday morning at six a.m. We drop the the vault episodes. These are past episodes, and you know they have really been doing well. I'm I'm so glad that uh, people are going back and listening to these episodes. Because you really don't think to go through the library, and this way we we kind of uh, you know we decide one that people want to uh, listen to. We kind of go in order there, but uh, they're all great episodes. And even you know like this last watch along, we had somebody mention, "Oh, you got to get demolition on." And I'm like, uh, we did have demolition, and we had both of them when they were taking that, that car ride uh, to a show in Chicago. We had both Barry Darso and Bill Eady uh, for an hour and uh, twenty minutes, I think it was, and it was just uh, it was a great conversation. It was, uh, the, like the Blues Brothers on the road there, it was just it was great. But uh, you know, uh, I'm sure that's going to come up as one of our vault episodes. But check those out every Saturday morning, and of course, we have original episodes of PTSM every Wednesday at 6 a.m., and uh, they just keep getting better and better. So, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. <laughs>